In the name of the Father and the Son <coughs> and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the scripture reading, we read the story of when Christ called Levi, the tax collector, to become an apostle. And we, we see this example of what happened with Levi is actually a perfect model for us for sharing our faith with other people, for evangelism. Because the very first thing that Levi does after he uh, is called by Christ is he has this feast that he calls together all the other tax collectors and all the other people that are his friends and he invites them and he invites Christ to come and, and, and to have a meal together. So we want to speak a little bit about this calling that Christ called Levi and also we want to speak about the feast that Levi held for his fellow tax collectors after he was called. We read actually that Christ, after um, the Pharisees were complaining that Christ ate and intended this banquet with the sinners and tax collectors, we read that Christ says, "What well, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we keep this principle in mind that Christ is coming to call the sinners. He's not coming to call the righteous. The righteous are already called. The righteous are already people that are with Christ. But he is coming to call the sinners, meaning that he is to go to the places where the sinners are, so that he can bring the sinners to himself. So when the Pharisees were complaining against him, saying, why are you going to eat with sinners? This was his response, saying, I'm going there to save those people. I'm going there to bring them to myself. So we see that all of the sinners are invited. The, the, the good news is for everyone. It is not just for a certain group of people. And those of us actually who believe that we are righteous, maybe we are deceiving ourselves. You know, he's saying, I have not come to call the righteous, but there really is no one righteous. There's no one righteous. All of us are sinners. All of us have some sin that we have, and, and Christ is calling us. In First John chapter 1, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Right? We are, we, are, we are deceiving ourselves if we think that we are righteous. If we think that we are better than another category of people or another person, we are saying that I am not in need of any of anything. Uh, I, am, I am righteous, I am perfect, and yet we judge those people who, when they come to the church, and we know of maybe some situation in their lives or some sin that they've committed or some lifestyle that they have, and we point at them and we judge them and we say, why is this person even coming to the church, right? Instead, we should be looking at ourselves and saying, you know, the reason I am able to come to the church is because Christ has not condemned me, because he has invited me, though I am a sinner, to his banquet. So when we are invited to this banquet, to be a part of the kingdom of God, what is it that we should do? So we said, as we said in verse 32, he says, I've come to call the righteous, uh, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Meaning what? He's calling everyone to come to him, but only those who are, who are willing to repent should come. Meaning, I'm not inviting the sinners to my banquet so they could boast of their sin. I'm not coming, I'm not inviting them to the banquet because I like sin and I want to be surrounded by sin. I'm not inviting them to the banquet because I am a sinner and I like to be with other people that do the same thing that I do, so it makes me feel better about myself. Now he says, I have come to call those people who are sinners, but also those who are willing to repent, right? Only those who are willing to repent. When anyone is coming to the church, the church is open to all people. There is no one to whom the church is closed off. But the person who the, cho the church is closed off is to the person who refuses to change the person who refuses to repent, the person who says, I'm coming with my sin and I'm actually celebrating my sin. I'm celebrating that this is my lifestyle, this is my way, this is, this is who I am and don't try to change me. 
because actually I wish that all people were like myself. To this person, they will not benefit from the church. They will not benefit because the church is here to help those people who want to be helped, who want to change, who want to repent. And so here Christ himself, he is saying this, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But he continues and says to repentance. I'm not just coming to call sinners for the sake of the fact that they're sinners. I'm coming to call sinners to change, to, to repent, to give them the tools, to give them everything that they need in order to change their life. Also, he's calling them for healing. In verse 31, it says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Meaning, it is not just a place where we come and declare the sins that we've made, the things we've done wrong, the weaknesses that we have, but it is a place that we actually are transformed and changed so that we no longer suffer from the same ailments that we had when we first started to come. You know, we always say in the church, and specifically like maybe the difference between the Orthodox Church and other churches, is when we come to the Orthodox Church, we are coming primarily for something to be done to us. We are coming here so that the Holy Spirit works through in us through the sacrament to change us right this is why we come and this is why the sacrament of communion is so important because we are coming to be changed we are coming to be transformed we are not coming just to learn we are not coming just to let me hear a message and then let me take that message into the world and apply it yes this is this is true and we should be doing this but in addition to this we are coming here not just to learn with our minds a message that which then we will apply we are we are coming to be changed we are coming to be washed we are coming to be transformed because all of the messages in the world are great, but if I'm not able to carry out this message, if I'm not able to apply this message, if I'm not able to live according to this message because I don't have the Spirit of God working in me, then it doesn't actually matter to me whether I hear the message or not. I'm, I'm unable to do it. So when we come to the church, we are, we, are, we are being healed of our wickedness. We are being healed of the things that are preventing us from carrying out the work of God. God came to the earth to heal us. He didn't come to judge us. The judgment is later. He says, I will come another time to judge. But for now, he has come to heal, to transform and to change us, to be those people who is calling us to be, to be those righteous people that we want to be. Also, he has called us to be a guest at his table. In verses 29 and 30, it says, And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? These are the, the people that Levi called to this banquet and that Christ was attending. He's saying, Why are you attending this banquet? And they all ate together. Okay? And we can think of this banquet as the liturgy. And the table that we all partake of is the table of the altar. And the meal that we are eating is the body and blood of Christ. And that there is no salvation apart from this meal apart from the other partaking of his body and blood you know sometimes um, people have the wrong idea of communion sometimes people think in their mind that communion is only for those people who are righteous and that if I am a sinner then I cannot come and take communion actually we should not be coming to take communion if we are not repentant but regardless of what sins we commit as long as we are repentant we should be coming to partake of the body and blood of Christ because it is through this that we are changed 
It is through this mystery that we are transformed. And even though maybe we attend spiritual meetings and Bible studies and listen to sermons and all of this, and like I said, all of this is great and we should be doing this, but what is enabling and empowering us to actually do according to the word that we hear? It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. It is like a person who maybe has been diagnosed with a disease that requires a blood transfusion. And this blood transfusion is necessary for them to survive. And so they read about the blood transfusion and they understand everything about it. And they ask all of the questions about it. And they're very well informed and knowledgeable about what is necessary for their disease in order to be saved. And yet they are never willing to go a step further to actually have the transfusion. They're never willing to go a step further. They never actually experience the transfusion itself. They just read about it and understand it and, and, and they can answer questions about it, but they never experience it themselves. Christ said in John 6, 53, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. Meaning, we might say that we have life and we might do a lot of things that looks like life, and we might read a lot of books about life and we might talk about life and, and people might think that we are alive. But unless we are actually partaking of Christ, then we have no life. This is what he is saying, right? This is the banquet that Christ is calling us to because we are sinners and we are in need of him to be transformed and to change. <coughs> the fourth thing <coughs> that we are called for is to follow him says in verse 27, After these things he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. Christ is the one who is speaking to us, and he's saying, Follow me. He's saying, Leave behind your life and follow me. A lot of times we want to do both. We say, Yes, I want to follow Christ. We know this is the right thing to do. But I'm not willing to give up anything to follow him. I'm not willing to change anything to make time for him. I want my life to remain as it is. I want my lifestyle to remain as it is. I want my friends to remain as they are. I want my career. I want everything in my life to remain as it is. And yet, I will try to follow Christ. This is why when someone was trying to follow Christ and he says, well, first let me go and bury my father. Well, first let me go and say bye to my family. Well, first let me go and do this and this. And then I will come and follow you. Christ said, no, your heart is in the wrong place. You are not trying to follow me. And actually, some, we make it the opposite. Instead of saying, I'm going to sacrifice whatever I need to sacrifice to follow you, we say, no, I'm not going to sacrifice anything. And actually, the only reason I'm following you is because I want you to bless my life. I want you to bless the things that I have chosen. I want you to bless the things that I have. And that's why I want you. I want you because of what you can give me. I'm not willing to give up what I have so that I can follow you. I just want you to bless what I have and to make me better, to make me more wealthy, to make me healthier, to make me whatever. Right? This is not the spirit of discipleship. This is, not what we, this is not what we are called for. When Christ went to Levi and he just said that simple word, follow me. And it says immediately after that, he left his tax office. He left his money. He left everything. You know, he didn't try to figure out how is it that I can still be a tax collector whilst, while following Christ? How is it that I can still have my life while at the same time following Christ? He realized that there was no way. He, there was no way to reconcile the two, especially because at that time being a tax collector was essentially being a thief. You would, you would be taking money from the people for yourself in, in addition to just the taxes. He didn't try to do both. And he said, you know what, in order for me to actually follow Christ, I have to completely cut off my old life 
So there is no remnant of it that remain. And we see Levi, who is Matthew, Matthew the evangelist, Matthew the gospel writer, Matthew the martyr, right? We see him completely changed from this point onward, right? We don't see any remnant of his old life again. So whenever we hear this calling to the heavenly banquet, to this banquet that Christ is inviting us to, we have to make this choice. Am I going to come to this banquet? Am I going to give my life in this banquet? Am I going to leave everything behind so I can enjoy this banquet, so that I can come and I can partake of this and go on this, this very different journey and very different direction than I was on before? Or am I just going to try to live in both worlds? I'm going to try to keep what I have and at the same time, oh yeah, I'm following Christ. I'm a, I'm a believer. Okay. So how should we answer the invitation? When Christ comes to us, just like he came to Levi, how is it that we should answer the invitation? Because every invitation requires a response, right? You know, whenever we receive an invitation, there's like an RSVP. And the RSVP is, who, are you coming or not? Are you going to be able to come or not? Unless we do our part in this response, God is not going to force it upon us. How should we answer? The first uh, response we should have in the invitation, we should do just as Levi did, is that we should leave all and rise up and follow him. It says, so he left all, rose up, and followed, right? Leaving all means that we leave our sinful past, right? We leave our sinful past. Maybe we are coming to Christ um, with a lot of baggage and a lot of things that we are carrying with us from our past. This invitation is a call to leave behind sin. It's saying now is the time for you to leave sin behind. Maybe we are not able because of our weakness to absolutely stop sinning. This is maybe impractical and not possible for us. But what is possible is for us to turn to a life of repentance. Meaning, if I am to follow Christ, I have to lead a life of repentance. I have to lead a life of confession. I have to lead a life where I examine myself and I find everything that is, that is an obstacle for me to follow Christ and I do my best to remove it and I do my best to repent and to confess of it. This is what he is calling us to. He's not calling us to a life of perfection in the sense that we can live perfectly without ever sinning. This is not possible for us. But he's calling us to hate sin. And he's calling us to do our part to fight against sin and not simply try to reconcile these two lives together. The second part was, he said what? He rose up. Like he, he, he rose up. So it's like we are rising up. We are rising up to God. We are rising in prayers. We are elevating ourselves from the status of mere physical beings to the level of spiritual beings, that we are, we are spiritual, we are rising, okay? We are resurrecting. Actually, when a person is baptized, they are resurrecting, right? So this is, this is a spiritual call to prayer. This is a spiritual call for communion with God, to always keep God close to us. I am committing to, uh, to repent, I'm committing to change my life, and, 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 and what is allowing me to do this is my connection with God. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that I'm able to change. And he's answering this invitation. It's an action. It's not just a thought. It's not just an idea. It's not just, you know, this is what I wish I could do. No, it's, it's an action. I'm choosing to leave behind. I'm choosing to rise up and to follow him. The, the second thing that we should do to answer this invitation is that we should host him. Just as Levi did when it says Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. We are bringing God with us into our house. We're saying God is a part of my day. God is, God is in me and he is with me and he is a part of my everyday life. He, we invite him into our houses so that our houses become churches. 
You know, in the early church, there were no church buildings. The churches were all in individual people's houses, and they would go to those houses to pray and to pray liturgies and to take communion. They would do all of that in people's houses. Our houses should be churches. Our houses should be places where God is and, and that God dwells and that God is comfortable to be in this place because the way we conduct ourselves at home is the same way that we conduct ourselves at work, at church, everywhere, because we are one person, united and not divided. Christianity is not just about going to church on Sunday. It's a life. It's a life. It's a. It's a. It's a way of thinking. It's. It's an action that I do. Also, we see how um, Levi, you know, he he was not afraid of uh, inviting other people with him in this journey. You know, he 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 did not just say, um, "Well, this is a personal thing, and I left all, and I'm following Christ, and that's enough." No, he said, what, I'm going to invite all of my friends and they're all going to come with me in this banquet and I'm going to invite Christ and he, they're all going to meet together here. He didn't think to himself, you know what, if I invite my friends, then they're going to say, oh, well, look at you now, you are, you know, a Christian and look at you, you're judging us and you think that you're better than us. And, you know, a lot of the things that maybe happens when a person leaves behind an old life and tries to start a new life. No, he said, I want all of my friends, I want all of these people who are also sinners to benefit. He did not consider himself better than anyone. Instead, he just wanted everyone to benefit just as he did because he hosted him in his house. Also, the third thing we should do to answer the invitation is we should make a new beginning. Here Christ is speaking about the garment, the new garment versus the old. He says, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. What does this mean? It's saying in order for us to have a new garment, we have to have a new wineskin. We, ha we have to have something new. We have to have a new mindset in order to accept something new. If you take the, the, this new thing and you try to cram it into an old mind, and a mind that that is not been renewed, then it doesn't process. It doesn't. It doesn't understand. We won't understand. In order for us to have a new, a new like um, uh, uh, garment or a new piece, a new patch, we have to put it on a new garment so that they match together. Okay, so that they match together. There's no way that I could take something new and put it on the old. Okay, so he's saying what you have to completely change your mind. Right? You have to completely change. It's not just a small change. It's, it's a holistic change. It's like a change of your whole life together. Right? I can't just say, I'm going to take my old life just as it is, and I'm going to start going to church. And that's the change. Right? That's, that's my act. That's my, that's my accepting the invitation of Christ's banquet. Right? That's, not the that's not accepting the invitation. That's one step, maybe, in accepting it. But that's not sufficient for accepting it. That's still trying to take this new concept, this new um, patch, and putting on an old garment. Okay, it doesn't work. In order for me to accept Christ, in order for me to accept the mission, in order for me to accept His discipleship of Him, I have to change everything. I have to change the whole garment. Be like, okay, this is completely new. I'm throwing out the old, and I'm bringing in something completely new. This is the only thing that is possible. I can't, for instance, say I'm going to go to, you know, some place I shouldn't be going on Saturday night and then on Sunday I'm going to come to the liturgy. Those things don't, don't fit together. I can't be spending all of my time like in, in, in like being vulgar and, and spending time with bad people and, 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 you know, participating in wrong activities. And then I say, I'm going to, but I'm going to come to church. Those two things don't mesh together. You, you either accept it all or you leave it all. In Titus chapter 1, it says, they profess to know God, 
but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Maybe we can sometimes identify with this, is that we profess to know God, but if we look at our actions, and we look at our thoughts, and we look at our lifestyle, we say, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm saying that I profess, but this is not reflected in my actions. God is calling us to be one united person, that the things that I say, and the things that I think, and the things that I do are all um, united together. I'm one person and not more than one. And then finally, it's, um, we are called to answer this invitation. We are called to leave the old behind. It says, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. What does this mean? <coughs> it says, if having accepted a new life and having put behind us the old, we then begin to come back to the old again. We then begin to taste the old again. Maybe I you know, had certain bad habits that I would be doing or certain places that I would go in my old life. And now having accepted this invitation of Christ, I put behind all of those things. And yet every once in a while, I have some nostalgia. I remember these things. I remember the joy that I used to have when I did them, the, the, the desires that I had, the pleasure that I had. And so I begin to compromise and say, you know what? Well, uh, it's okay if I'm just going to do this once or twice. Or I'm going to just see these people once or twice. I'm just going to go back to this just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay? And he's saying what? No one having drunk the old wine immediately desires the new. What is he saying? He's saying that this path that Christ is calling us on and this banquet, this is the narrow path. This is a difficult path. This is not an easy path. Right? This is why it requires discipline to follow it. This is why it, re it, it requires us to be very diligent to follow it. And it's very easy for us to fall again back to the old. Seeing the old that maybe tastes desirable. The old that reminds us of the pleasure of sin. This old. He says, if you try to, uh, to, to taste the old again, you will like it. You will like it. In order for you to make a new start, you have to completely cut out the old. You know, it's easy for us to fall back into the old. And so we should be very, very careful not allowing ourselves to do this. It takes a lot of time for us to taste the goodness of the Lord. At the beginning of a spiritual struggle of trying to grow closer to God, a lot of people will say, I don't feel it. I don't taste it. it I, I don't enjoy my prayer. I don't enjoy doing those things. It's okay. It will come, but we have to be diligent in it. We have to continue in it, right? There was a time where we were not, you know, um, tasting evil either, but only having experienced evil did we begin to taste it and we began to maybe like it. The same is true with the Lord. If we begin to taste the God, and after a while we will begin to like it and we will begin to despise evil. And this is what he is calling us to. This means that we have the mind of Christ, that we keep pursuing good until we begin to hate the things that we used to love. And we begin to hate the things that he hates. And we only love the things that he loves. This is the path of faith. This is, this is the narrow path that Christ is calling us to. So in order for us to answer this invitation, we have to leave all behind. We have to host him. We have to make a new beginning. And we have to you know, not go back again to the things that we've left. You know, we have to say, no, I'm going to be very disciplined. I'm not going to go back to the things that we left. So here in this gospel reading, we learn from Levi, this beautiful example of a person who is living a life of sin. And then when Christ came to him, 
he completely left behind his his whole life and he began to be a disciple and more than a disciple he became an evangelist a gospel writer a saint and a martyr and he became a person who shared the gospel message even with those people whom used to be his peers those people who were the tax collectors that he had now left this group to follow christ he still had love for them he still remembered them he still shared this with them but he was now on a new path and he never went back again to this path. So we ask God to help us to remain diligent and to remain um, always hearing the voice of his invitation, coming to the church, not just because I need to come to church once a week, but because this is a part of my change of life, my call to repentance, because he says what, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, and we are all sinners, and we should all come to repentance and glory be to God forever. Amen.